0: Welcome to the Church Plus Podcast. Church Plus is a conversation around growing trends, best practices, and how stuff works in your local church. My name is John Bennett, and I'm going to be your host this month. Now, I'm going to do something a little bit different this month. I am going to be my own guest. I'm going to talk to you for a few moments on the question, is your church ready for a capital campaign? So if you're listening, you may be an elder or a leader in a church, teaching pastor, the senior pastor, part of a team, wherever you are in the church structure, this might be a great conversation for the next few moments. As we discuss, is your church ready to go? Are you ready to expand in 2022 and beyond? Are you ready for... A capital campaign, first of all, let me just kind of redefine a term for a moment. Capital campaign, that phrase has been around for decades. It's been around forever. I actually prefer the phrase giving initiative, and here's why. Capital campaign can all be about mission advancement, but it also could always, it could kind of tend toward the idea of just being about the money. When we talk about a giving initiative, many times it defaults or lends toward the idea of discipleship, of the transformation of the giver, that we're helping each individual within the church context to actually grow in their own journey of generosity. So as we go, as I talk for a few minutes, I may use the phrase capital campaign, but I also may use the word or phrase giving initiative. The reason being is you have to have admission advancement and giving transformation as part of the equation to to run a successful campaign as you think about the future of your church. So let's talk about a few reasons why you would even consider doing a campaign. Number one is capital projects, capital improvements. This is obvious, you gotta build a new building, you've gotta renovate. Let me say this, which is kind of interesting to me, over the last couple of years, I have led campaigns and helped teams lead campaigns towards renovation projects. The building is old, it's wearing out, it needs an improvement, it needs a new look, it needs new equipment, it needs a digital studio to really reach the online audience. It needs a lot of improvement. So capital projects are probably the number one reason why church leaders think about this. Number two is debt retirement. I have a lot of campaigns going right now that have at least some of the focus on retiring some debt. Sometimes it's all the debt, sometimes it's just a piece of the debt, but it's part of the equation. So capital projects, debt retirement, are big. Number three are expanding ministry programs. This is also kind of intuitive for many of you. You think about expanding a new area of ministry, expanding and adding staff. Maybe we're going to plan another church campus. So we're expanding ministry program. But here's another one, which I think is kind of interesting. It literally is expanding the mission. We have a unique program at Generis that I've done multiple times with churches around the country. And it has been incredibly successful. At Just the thought of, in our campaign setting, in our giving initiative, how do we expand the mission? I have a church right now. They're doing a few capital improvements. But primarily, the campaign is about expanding mission of the church. So local missions, what they're doing right there in the community, what they're doing in the metropolitan area of the city that they're in, also nationally, how they're helping church plants around the nation, and then internationally, they're adopting a people group who does not have the Bible in their own language, and they're financing that and making sure that happens. But you know what? Here's the good news. They just came through Commitment Weekend, and this church had a pretty bold, audacious goal of about $9 million to expand their mission. Right now, they are over $10 million in pledges. It's amazing because people were really buying into the idea of expanding the mission. So here, let's, let's ask this question. Simon Sinek says, If you buy, that people buy into why before they buy into what? I think that's true. You probably heard that before. You probably watched the TED Talk that millions of people have watched. Cynic says people buy into why before they buy into what? So let's talk about a little bit of how you and I should think about the why. So if I'm a church leader, I'm a pastor, I'm on a team, I'm thinking about why should we move ahead? Why should we do a campaign? Why should we talk to the church about a giving initiative? Let's talk about, let's frame up the why for a couple minutes here. Number one, I think we need a compelling reason to move forward, a compelling reason to move forward. So givers only support what they understand. That's important. I'm going to say that again. Givers only support what they understand. So the church's plans need to be thoughtfully conceived and well-articulated as to the rationale, the cost, the urgency, and the impact of the campaign or the giving initiative on the ministry's future direction. So in other words, the messaging of why we're doing this, it must be clear, compelling, and concise. The messaging has to be clear, compelling, and concise. A few years ago, I was working with a church, uh, had a fantastic idea new property, but they really wanted to use it to serve the community. So this was somewhat of a paradigm shift from where they are to where they need to be. So the pastor took time out to meet the mayor, meet the superintendent of schools, meet other community leaders. And he asked the question, listen, what are the needs of the community? And how as uh, as a church, how can we help you succeed in meeting those needs? We have a new campus, we have buildings on this campus, we need to renovate what can we do to serve the needs of the community? Uh, the community leaders were, were blown away that a church leader would want to know this and, and would want to be involved. So they told them, here's what we need. Here's what the community needs. And so they went back to the church, back to the drawing board. We worked on a program, and we ended up calling this giving initiative MOVE, based on John 13, basically where Jesus says he's going to go from the table to the floor. You remember the whole story is going to get down from being you know, served at the table, and now he's going to be the servant and wash the disciples' feet. And so the entire idea of MOVE was to go from the table to the floor. The entire goal of it was to be more of an outward-facing church. The good news is they had a tremendous campaign, a tremendous result, into the millions of dollars. They just finished up their campaign in the beginning of 2022. They received more money than was actually pledged. Why? Because I think it was a compelling reason to move forward. As a church, let's become an outward-facing church. It was a compelling reason to move forward. So number one, compelling reason to move forward. Number two, mission alignment. Every successful high-impact church exists for a purpose, a mission. And the byproduct of every well-run giving initiative is a rally cry for coming together around that purpose or around that mission. And that's more important as ever is when people start making a weekly decision right now in a post-COVID environment as to whether even to come back to church. In other words, give me a reason. Give me a compelling reason. Give me a mission, a cause, a reason to get back in church. So mission alignment is going to be crucial. And you already know this, but it's, it's, it's the heart of the why. It's the aligning around why God has called you as a local church in your community. I worked with a, a church not, uh, three years ago uh, in, in, in upstate New York, and, and you may be somewhat familiar with spiritual history of the United States and so many revivals, national revivals began in the Northeast, specifically in the New York region. And so now, as you know, North, the Northeast and New York specifically is, has some of the highest unchurched rates in the nation. So this church called their initiative fuel. The idea is we want to pour some fuel on the fires of revival that had burned for so long. And this wasn't like over-spiritualizing this. And it wasn't like some, you know, pie in the sky idea. It was basically saying, you know, God has used this region of the country so powerfully in past times. And we believe as a church, they were a multi-site church in a lot of smaller uh, towns in a rural context. And they're saying, you know what, we believe God wants to use this church to bring a revival to so many of these communities. And so again, they uh, launched their campaign. They were very specific. They were aligning around mission. The people responded. They pledged uh, over and above what we thought they would. And again, they just finished up at the beginning of 2022. Another great success story. They brought in more than they had originally pledged. And I believe it was because the pastor and the leadership team did such a great job aligning the mission, keeping the mission at the forefront so people really understood, hey, this is why we exist. We're here to have a great worship experience, but we are here to really impact the community. So number one, if we're going to frame up a why, we got to have a compelling reason to move forward. Number two, we've got to have mission alignment. That's got to be clear and compelling so people really understand what it's all about. Number three, we have to have a, reputa- a reputation of trust and achievement. We've got to have a reputation that says, you know what? In the past, we've handled your money, the money you've given. We've handled that well. We have to have a reputation of being good stewards. because." true givers behave like investors. You know, they take the stewardship of resources seriously. Consequently, trust is important. They not only look at the projects at hand, they care deeply about our track record as church leaders of stewarding resources in the past that we use the money how we said we'd use the money. So reputation is deeply important in the giving decision. That's why at Generis, we have taught for for years that about four times a year, maybe once a quarter, it is so important to get up in the offering moment and say something to the effect of, "We can be trusted, and here's why." Maybe we're ECFA, uh, you know, a, a member or a member or a partner with the ECFA. Uh, maybe we can get up and talk about our impact report. Maybe we can get up and have our financial team chairman share how the resources are being used, and how we have checks and balances four times a year at some level, we need to talk about, hey, you know what, I think we can be trusted. So as you give those resources to us, we are going to handle those well. So reputation of trust and achievement is so important. So if you're thinking about launching a giving initiative, a capital campaign in 2022, maybe this Sunday, maybe this month, take a moment, in the offering moment to get up and talk a little bit about how we steward resources. And here's the deal. If you're not leveraging the offering moment, if we're getting up and we're not saying anything at all, we get up every single Sunday, you know, every 52 out of 52 we say something effective of, hey, we're going to receive our offering. Thank you for being generous. Thank you for giving. Uh, you can give online or whatever it might be. If that's all we're saying, we're missing a great opportunity. So I have actually have a very specific strategy I can coach you in when it comes to the offering moment. But let me just say it based on this point right here as we're framing up our why, that we have to have a reputation of trust is that at least four times a year, we need to talk about why we believe we handle capital and resources and people's money well. All right, number four, unified team. We have to have a unified front, a unified team. So this this involves not only the decision process, bringing in the right people to make the decision. We've made the decision. Hey, we're going to expand mission. We're going to handle this capital improvement. We're going to do this. We're in. We're unified as a team. But the leadership team itself sets the tone for the entire campaign. So maybe that's your board of elders. Maybe that's your church board itself, maybe it's your elders and your deacons, maybe it's your ministry staff team, whoever is that team, that leadership team, they are going to set the tone for the entire campaign. A scripture I share often, you know this scripture, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, but there David has been tasked to raise the resources so that his son Solomon will uh, uh, actually build the temple so David leads by example. He goes first. The first five verses of First, Chronicle 20, first Chronicles 29, he literally lays out his commitment. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to give. Here's what I'm going to leverage to make sure I do it. Because David, as a leader, said, I'm going to lead by example. But in verse 5, he asks a rhetorical question. And the rhetorical question basically says, okay, captains and leaders and people around me, what are you going to do? And so they begin to rise up. And so from verse 5 to verse 9, it describes what they did. The captains of a 100, a captain of a 1,000, they lead by example. So they are not only unified with David, but they're leading by example. And out of that, verse 9, which I love that verse in that particular chapter, it says, when the people, the house of Israel, saw what their leaders had done, they rejoiced greatly. And then from verse 9 to the end of the chapter, it's really a big worship service. So David is praying, he's blown away, how can we be so generous? And there's several thoughts in there. The idea, though, was there was a unified team, a unified front, and then they led by example. And that is incredibly important. So the team are not just approving the campaign, wise leadership teams assume the ultimate responsibility for the campaign's success. So when I lead an initiative with a church, one of the things we do early on is we have a staff board uh, and spouse kind of event. So it may be the staff and their spouses, it may be the board or the elders or the church board, whatever Howard's structured in your church. We take those folks and their spouses, and we have a dinner, or we take them away, and we literally sit down, and we connect relationally. We connect around the impact of the church and the ministry. We connect around the vision. We ask questions. We we, we pray with one another, and we make sure that we are unified, and it's interesting to me. When I suggest that we're going to do this up front, usually I get that look like, well, you know what, John? yeah, we're already on the same page. We already made that decision. We don't need to do that. Everybody knows what's going on. And I I push back as gently as I can, but yet as firmly as I can and say, you know what? This is crucial to really have that unified team. And here's what's interesting. They'll go ahead and do the dinner. They'll go ahead and do the offsite. They'll do this event. They'll come back and they say, you know what? That was one of the most exciting things we have done in a while. That was one of the most impactful events we've had in a while. Thank you for pushing on us to do that. Why? Because if we're gonna really talk about our why, we have to have a unified team. So back quick review, number one, we gotta have a compelling reason to move forward. Number two, mission alignment. Number three, a reputation of trust. Number four, unified team. And and so as, as we think about this unified team, Here's the deal. You could have a campaign scenario where you've got to do a lot of stuff, that let's frankly, just, just frankly, it's not that exciting. I had a campaign a few years ago uh, that their entire goal was capital project improvements around a building that was aging, paid off, no debt. That was cool, but they had to do some capital improvements, but all the projects were just not that exciting. They had to repair the roof. They had to do the HVAC. They had to update some some certain structural issues. They had to make the bathrooms ADA compliant. They had to put a lift in in the front of the church. I mean, none of these things would go, woo, wow, that's so exciting. But what they did was really interesting. We talked a lot about this. We strategized, we thought it through. And at the end of the day, they said, you know what, we got to really put our focus on why we are improving the structure of this facility. Here's the phrase they hung on facilities facilitate ministry. Facilities facilitate ministry. And here's the deal. Uh, everybody's got to have a building. Everybody's got to have a facility. We live in the United States of America. We've got to have church indoors. we got to have meeting indoors. But at the end of the day, the church is never the point. It's, the, it, it's a means to an end. But facilities facilitate ministry. So they really capitalize on the idea of Yes, these capital improvements are not that exciting, and they set it up front, but as we do this, we believe it's going to enhance ministry. It's going to enhance the services, the discipleship programs, the programs for family ministry, children and youth, but it's also going to enable us to really expand the mission. And they were a church that was surrounded by like three college campuses, and I kind of pushed them a little bit to do some research because they had college kids coming, and I said, how many different... Uh, nations are represented there? How many different uh, pockets of, uh, of people, how many different cultures are represented? They did some research and it blew me away. They came back and said there were literally hundreds of different cultures that were represented within a very small radius of the church. And so it began to get them thinking beyond just updating the facility, but how they could truly expand their outreach around. So again, even if you're thinking about a campaign for 2022, just to retire debt, or just to do some improvements on stuff that's not that exciting. I'm here to say that if you frame up your why well, if you frame it up, and you bring together this sense of, you know what, we believe God is in the middle of this, in the middle of this mission, I believe you can be successful. What the cool thing is right now, The data is showing is that giving was up in 2020, giving was up in 2021. ECFA has done some research, Barn has done some research. They're even starting to tell us that even inflation is not impacting right now, currently March of 2022, inflation is not impacting giving. So here's my challenge, here's my prayer, here's my hope for you, that as you guys dream about 2022, You would not limit yourself as to what you can see, but really open up your hearts as to what God can do and will do in and through your lives. Now, listen, I know leaders are tired. I get that. I mean, I'm tired. We're all a little tired after this uh, fiasco we've been through the last two years. But it could be your opportunity to really expand the mission through an incredible campaign or through a giving initiative. I'm here to help. Love to talk to you click on the link, email me, let me know how I can serve you. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Church Plus podcast today. I know there are literally hundreds of podcasts you could have listened to, so I'm grateful you've tuned in today. We always appreciate your support. You can subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast, or rate and review the podcast. Till next time, this is John Bennett with the Church Plus podcast.